Today is Tuesday, March 14, 2017. It's been four months today since I filed for divorce on November 14, 2016, and not a whole lot has happened uh, since I last recorded my diary here. Um, Mike has been working on his inventory. I provided him with the template that my attorney gave me and he's been filling it in. And I talked to him the other day about it and he said that he was, you know, tracking down all of his stock information and, you know, getting all of his physical assets in there. It's a really big job. Um, it's, it's bigger than, than you would imagine, but we had kind of a little bit of a tiff over the inventory thing. You know, um, he said, let's get together and compare notes to make sure that we're not each giving our attorneys work that has to be combined. In other words, let's go ahead and combine our inventory lists so that there's no duplication and we're not running up uh, bills with our attorneys. And I thought that was a good idea. And then later he said, well, just email me yours and I'll incorporate it into his. So we need one big inventory of all of our stuff. And, you know, this is going to cause probably some fights because I told him, I said, okay, well, I'll do that. But I've listed the kids' assets out separately. So, for example, my son's television. He's got a nice new flat screen TV. And I'm not listing that as, quote, mine. I'm listing that as belonging to my son. And the reason I do it that way is because when my son goes to stay at Mike's, he takes his TV with him when it's long periods of time. Like, for example, this is spring break week, and my son is going to stay there all week, and he'll take his TV. So, you know, really the TV goes with him, and if he moves into Mike's or moves out of my house or whatever, that's his, you know. And Mike said, well, I don't want to split hairs on stuff like this. And I said, well, some of this you know, is important. We're going to need to split some hairs, you know, because at the end of the day, truth be told, Mike has a lot more stuff than I do. Uh, And he said, well, are you going to be listing? He said, I hope you're going to be listing all of your shoes. (laughs) And I said, oh, you want me to list all of my shoes? Okay. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to list all of my tools And he said, you probably, your shoes are probably worth more than my tools, which I had to laugh. That's, that is really, truly funny. Um, And I did not get into a debate with him, but this kind of gives me a glimpse into what mediation could look like. I have a lot of shoes. I do. I mean, probably not more, not any more than any woman of my socioeconomic status has. I have some black shoes, some brown shoes, some red ones. I have you know, sandals, pumps, boots. So what? I have some shoes. I wear them to work every day. They're part of the tool of my trade. I have to have nice shoes to wear to work. I'm in front of a lot of people and I'm an MBA recruiter and a college professor. I need to have decent shoes and I like shoes and there are worse ways you could spend your money, believe me. So I don't see how shoes and tools equate. First of all, tools last tools can last a lifetime. Shoes don't necessarily. In fact, my shoes probably last between two and five years. I wear them hard and I wear them 
and I do a lot of walking and I don't know I guess we're going to split hairs over shoes and tools but we have to get ourselves into mediation and get all of this worked out so we can get this finalized the good news is that in total so far I've only spent three thousand dollars on this divorce I mean that's a lot but 17,000 of it is still sitting in a trust in my attorney's office, which is good. I, I hope to not spend that. The 3,000 I've spent has been for filing uh, for the divorce and for filing the temporary orders and the custody agreement, you know, those kinds of things. And the few phone calls and emails, because every time you make a phone call to your attorney or every time you send an email or a text message that starts the meter running. So it's my goal to not spend any of that money that's there and get as much of that 17,000 back as I possibly can. That's money that I need and that I would I would rather have. Now that said, I think we're going to end up, you know, a whole day of mediation, probably two days of mediation. You know, that's going to cost hundreds if not thousands. And so that money is going to disappear pretty quickly, but hopefully we can come up with um with an agreement that we're both happy with. I also plan to complete a will. And in my will, I'm going to leave everything to my children. And, you know, Tori is 18 now, so she's considered an adult. My son will be 15 on April 1st. But I'm going to leave all of my assets to them, physical assets and bank accounts and that kind of thing. I know Mike has some life insurance on me, and I have life insurance uh, through my employer. I have a small 401k, and um, when the divorce is final, I will have some money in the bank. I certainly won't be rich, (laughs) but um, I want to be careful not to spend any of the money that I will have in the bank. I don't want to live on that money. I want to support myself. I'm going to need some help from Mike for a while, uh, especially while our son is at home but I want to support myself. I don't want to spend that money. I want to have a retirement fund. I also want to have that money um, in case there's some kind of catastrophe or health issue or something and I can't work. You know, that's my safety net. And I will not have the means for saving a lot of money uh, on my current salary, which is very small. And as far as work goes, boy, I could do um, an audio diary just on my job search and, you know, what's going on at work. But the university has agreed to let me teach two sections of classes this fall. And I really love doing that. And I really want to stick around there so that I can do that. Um, I might put my job search on the shelf for a while. Um, I really love teaching. The students make me so happy. And I love seeing them make progress. It's very fulfilling work. It's just too bad teachers are not paid very well. At the end of the day, I probably make minimum wage considering the amount of time I put into preparation and and class. But back on November 16, I completed my application for the doctorate program at the university where I work. One of the perks where I work is that tuition is free. And if you're accepted into a program, Uh, your tuition is free, which is just incredible because the doctorate is a $65,000 
degree and I want to do it. I've always wanted to go on and get a PhD or doctorate. That's always been a dream of mine. Um, so I really want to do it. The problem is it's very competitive to get into this doctorate program. And aside from that, it's competitive on top of that for getting the tuition waiver, uh, which I am applying for. At this moment in time, I am the only employee at the university that has actually completed the application. And that's very encouraging to me. However, I have heard that one of the full-time professors has a wife who also wants to complete an application and, and do it. And he's a professor that's highly regarded and very popular and a heavy hitter, you could say, at the university. And um, if his wife applies, I'm sure she'll be given great consideration. And they're only going to give the tuition waiver to one employee, so only one of us can get it. But the thing is, she's retired. Uh, she's a retired teacher, and so... I would be really surprised if the university grants her a tuition waiver because she's retired. I probably have another 20 years of career out ahead of me, and so I would hope that they would make the investment in me, especially because I am teaching there and I'm an alumni. But the other bigger contender is we have an accounting teacher who has a master's um, who may also want to do her doctorate. And the university has very good, compelling reasons why they would let this accounting teacher do the doctorate. First of all, it's nearly impossible to find a person who is an accountant or teaches accounting that has a postgraduate degree. Accountants just don't go to college to get PhDs and doctorates. They just don't need to. They're either CPAs or they're making a six-figure salary or whatever, so they're hard to come by. But you have to have a PhD or doctorate in order to teach in a graduate program. So we have this accounting teacher who can't teach um, any higher than she is until she gets a doctorate or a PhD. And there's rumors that she's going to apply for the doctorate. Now, she hasn't done that yet as far as I can tell. And I was kind of hoping that they would take it on a first-come, first-served basis because I've been waiting for a long time. In fact, I was going to apply last year in the fall, and um, the program director told me that I would not get into the program if I applied and that I should delay for one year, which I've done. I have delayed for an entire year, and um, I want in, and I want in badly. And, and the closer the deadline gets... Uh, the more anxious I feel over it. The, the application deadline is May 1st, and they'll have to make a decision shortly thereafter. They're only going to accept 40 people into the program. So they may take 40 people and not even take an employee. I have no idea. Um, but I've completed my application and done everything I need to do, and I have let the people who need to know know that this is very important to me and that I'm, I'm going to do a doctorate or Ph.D., and I hope to do it at the university where I work. So I am pinning a lot of hopes on this. And lately I've realized just how badly I want to do it, very badly. And being turned down, uh, if, I, if I am turned down, it's going to sting. It is going to sting me pretty hard. Uh, first of all, I mean, it's hard to... to you know, not be selected over someone else. That's tough. But this is this is a dream of mine. And to let it slip away 
or to not be selected is that's going to sting me. I can tell that I'm already, <laughs> I'm already pinning so many hopes on it. And then the job search thing, you know, it's, it's so vexing. It's incredible. I went on three interviews with a company, a public relations agency, and I was pretty confident that I would be offered, um, a job. And I had three great interviews, one with the CEO and another with the uh, hiring manager and then another um, in the office with the team. I thought it went really well. I, I had very good feelings about it. And they told me that they were going to have somebody in place working by March 1st. Well, March 1st has come and gone two weeks ago and I have not heard a thing from them. And I've debated whether I should reach out or contact them or, you know, but there's a fine line between appearing desperate and, you know, just looking like you don't really care or that you have other great options or offers. Um, I haven't heard anything from them and it's really incredible. I think at least they should uh, tell me that they're hiring someone else I mean, and maybe, maybe that email is coming or maybe that letter is sitting in my mailbox. I don't know. I only check my mail about once a month. I hate going to the mailbox. It's all bills and junk mail. But I, I thought that was wrapped up. And, and I've also had several phone interviews with different companies since then. Um, but like I said, now that the university is going to let me teach two classes in the fall, I'll probably stop actively looking for a job. Um, and especially if they let me do the doctorate, I will stay. I will be locked there for the three years uh, that the program takes. It's two years of academic study and classroom work and then one year of dissertation, which sounds really exciting to me. So if I do that, I will stop my job search. I'll just continue um, working in the MBA admissions department and teaching and just make that my career for the next at least three years. But we'll see. So sometime after May 1st, I will I will know. And gosh, that's right around the corner. So this is spring break week. And I've taken off three days this week from work. My band is playing at the Austin Rodeo uh, today and tomorrow. And Thursday night, my band is playing um, a showcase for South by Southwest. And on Saturday, my band is playing at a private party. So that's four gigs this week. So I'll be quite busy. I'm very excited because this morning at 10 a.m., I'm being inducted into the Daughters of the American Revolution. And this has been no easy feat getting accepted into this organization. It's taken me a couple of years of working on the application and chasing down the required genealogy and documentation. And I'm very excited about it. Today is the induction ceremony. And so I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to go. And I'm a little sad because I don't have anyone to go with me. I don't have any family um, here like my mom or my cousins or aunts that want to attend. And my kids don't want to go at all. Uh, my son is staying out at Mike's all week. But he could not care less about the Daughters of the American Revolution. And I told my daughter about it, and I tried to get her interested. And she told me this morning she thought it was dumb. Uh, she doesn't understand, I think, 
the value in belonging to an organization like this, but I'm going to apply for a scholarship for her through Daughters of the American Revolution. They give away um, a $5,000 scholarship every year, and that will help with her tuition at A&M. So I plan uh, to do that. But I'm excited about this morning. I wish my grandmothers could be here because they would care very much about this. They would think it was really cool. They both loved history and loved genealogy. And my grandmothers, my two grandmothers, are the reason I have had any success in my life at all. Them and a few really good teachers. But really, my grandmas made sure that I went to college and that I was successful and that I ate and, you know, had supplies. And um, I, I owe a lot of that success to them. And, and them also showing me that education is the way out of poverty. And um, so I wish, I wish they were going to be here today. On Thursday, I'm going to drive to Canyon Lake to see my cousin's children there's been a family crisis down there in Canyon Lake. It's about an hour and a half uh, from where I live. So maybe I'll talk more about that later. But my cousin is in jail uh, for possession of heroin and methamphetamine. And his wife and children are at home and have next to nothing. I've, I hear that they are living in squalor and uh, don't have much. So I'm going to drive down on my day off Thursday and go see them and, and check out the scene and see how bad it is and see what I can do to help, you know. And what made me think of that is that my grandmothers really helped pave the way for me to go to college, which I did on Pell Grants and student loans. And my cousin has a daughter named Jada who is 15, and she's a freshman in high school, and she is nearing that age where she's going to be needing to look at colleges and go to college and I have no idea if her parents have talked to her about going to college or if they have expressed the critical importance of it but I want to go talk to her I want to see her I would love to get to know her and spend time with her maybe take her up to my university and show her around um, show her another way of life I think that would be important to do so until next time